is that to God? That you're saying to God that you are not enough. That is what you're saying to God. You're saying, God, I love you, but to really be happy, I need you to give me this wife. God, I love you, but for me to be happy, I kind of need a hundred racks in my bank. God, I love you, but I kind of want this house. God, I love you, but I'm lonely. How the heck are you lonely when you're speaking to him? Y'all heard that? You didn't say, delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you what your heart wants. Why? Because your heart's a liar. That's why you got to thank God for stuff he didn't give you. You got to thank God for that man he didn't give you. He was a scumbag anyway. You got to thank God for that chick he didn't give you. She had five other dudes on the side. You got to thank God for that job you didn't get because that boss would have killed you behind. You got to thank God for stuff that he didn't give you because he does not give you what your heart desires. He gives you the desires that your heart should have. Oh, y'all missing it. Y'all missing it. Here's the problem. The problem is we got a backwards economy with God. We go, well, God, I'll be happy when you give me this. And we don't realize how offensive that is to God. He says, delight yourself in me. I'm good enough. I'm everything you need. I'm all that you need. You should be happy with me and me alone. But we've got a God and complex. We've got a God and marriage. God and a car. God and a job. God and a business. So I'm happy if I get this and God. How offensive is that to God? That you're saying to God that you are not enough. That is what you're saying to God. You're saying, God, I love you. But to really be happy, I need you to give me this wife. God, I love you. But for me to be happy, I kind of need a hundred racks in my bank. God, I love you. But I kind of want this house. God, I love you, but I'm lonely. How the heck are you lonely when you're speaking to him? How did that happen? Or, or, or maybe you're not talking to God. Maybe you're talking to yourself. Maybe you're God. <laughs> and you're trying to satisfy your desire. And the fundamental sin of man is to impose on God what he desires of you. And to feel like, well, God, it ain't enough. Ready for this? That's why church, the, the, the church singles can be depressed in their singleness. Because they feel alone because they ain't married. I'm not married or I'm not in a relationship. I'm so lonely. If you had God, you wouldn't be. Didn't the Bible say that singleness was a blessing? There's a bunch of single folks right now trying to be married. A bunch of married folks saying, don't rush. Don't rush. Take your time. Take your time. This thing ain't what it cut out to be. Trust me. Trust me. Now, y'all think everybody's just, here's the problem. Ready for this? It's not that marriage won't make you happy. Can I just talk to y'all real quick? It's that you're not happy in marriage. 
but I don't need marriage to be happy. So that I'm not happy, you know, having a fiance. It's just that having a fiance is not what makes me happy. It's not that I'm not happy, you know, be finally walking in my calling and in my career. And yeah, it's, it's, it's nice to put a couple racks in the bank and set up some things and have a legacy. and All that stuff is good, but it's not that stuff that makes you happy. Here's the problem. We make that our goal and we get to it and we realize it's not good enough. Why? Because our heart deceived us. Ready for this? In chasing for things before God wants it, we find ourselves in places we shouldn't be. We try to rush marriage and we do wife things before we should. Because we think we're going to keep him by being his wife now. Out of order. Husbands thinking, you know. I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to stop right there if I get myself into trouble. So the question is, do you perceive things the right way? Is your motivation right? Because ready for this? If you're not happy with God alone, you're sinning. Dang, nobody coming back next week. Pastor, I was waiting for you to prophesy and tell me I'm about to get a husband. Tell me, give it to me, Lord. You're about to walk in your calling. You're about to walk in all of that. What's the point of all of that? What profit of a man to gain the whole world and to lose his own soul? Ooh, I ain't getting no amens for that. Because the reality is, we're still praying that God gives us our desires. And yet we have not delighted in him to seek his. Can I go a little deeper? One more thing, one more thing, one more thing. Can I go just a little a little, little, little bit deeper. If you need a heart change, anybody convicted? I was convicted by it. If you're convicted by that, then you can say, I need a heart change. I need a heart change. But only God can do it. I can't work myself out of this. There's no 10-step plan out of this. There's no, you know, and shake off the curse. There's no turn three times and you're going to be delivered. There's none of that. It's a dependence to say, God, because a lot of us haven't even been there. We haven't even been in that space that God, something's wrong with my heart. Something's wrong with the way I think. Something's wrong. I'm always thinking about getting a man. I'm always thinking about getting a wife. Like, I'm always like, God, when am I going to get this wife? God, when am I going to get this wife? God, I need a wife. God, I need a wife. I want God. I need that. If you give it to me, God, I'll praise you. I'll glorify you. God, I, I named her. Nope, she didn't name me back. Oh, God. <laughs> Sin. Sin. And so you, we have to come to a place to realize that something's wrong with our heart. Our heart is broken. Not thinking heartbreak is like, you know, she left me. He left. He cheated on me. She cheated on me. That's not heartbreak. That's not heartbreak. Heartbreak is quite literally the malfunction of your heart. 
And so when I ask, does your heart beat? I ask, where is your heart's desire? You might say, okay, pastor, I'm with you so far. My heart is broken. Ready for this? You might say, my heart is broken, pastor. My heart, pastor, yeah, you're right. My heart is broken. Here's my question to you. Where do you go from here? What do you chase? The dance? The 10-step plan? Or do you not realize that your brokenness is an opportunity? Did you not realize that your brokenness is your invitation to God? It's your invitation to Jesus. Look what it says. He says in Psalm chapter 51, the sacrifices of God are what? A broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, O Lord, do not despise. Notice what he says there. Look, look what it says in Psalm 34. It says, the Lord is near those who are broken. The more broken you are, the closer God is. God wants to invite you. He wants to take your brokenness. He wants to be in your brokenness. Then he wants to transform you because a surgeon got no job if there's no heart to change. And so here it is, you're presenting an opportunity to God, and God is saying, just come near to me. If you draw near to me, then I will draw near to you. I'm, I want you not to pay attention to that, but to pay attention to me. And you might be saying, Pastor, I get it. I get what you're saying. I understand it. And yes, God, I understand. Okay, cool. But what do you know about my brokenness? What do you know about my pain? What do you know about my struggle? What do you know about what I've been through? Maybe I haven't felt your pain. And maybe we've all addressed and dealt with brokenness in different ways. But I will tell you this much. Christ felt what you felt. Woo. Can I preach that real quick? Christ felt what you felt. He is a God who was rejected. Ready for this? You might say to me, that pastor, I don't know, man, because I've been rejected. And you might have felt rejection by everybody around you. But doesn't the Bible say that he was rejected by men, a man of sorrow, and he was acquainted with grief? And you might say, pastor, you don't know what it feels like for me to feel the pain of broken promises from those who've been closest to me. And I will say to you that Christ felt that too. His best friend, Peter said, I won't deny you in a time when you're struggling. I won't deny you when you need me the most. And what did Peter do? He broke on that promise. And maybe you're saying to me, Pastor, you don't know what it feels like to stand in court in judgment and stand before a judge and to be called guilty for things that I committed. And I will tell you that Christ suffered exactly that when he stood before the Sanhedrin and he stood before the judges and they called him guilty for a crime he never committed. And maybe some of you are saying, Pastor, you don't know what it's like for all your friends to leave you when you need them the most. And I will tell you that Jesus felt exactly that when he was sitting there in the place of judgment and all of his disciples and Everybody who was close to me, too close to him, never came to him. They, they ran away from him. And maybe you're saying that you don't know what it feels like, pastor, for your father to turn his back on you. And maybe you don't know what it feels like to not be loved and to be turned around by your own father when you need him the most. And I will tell you, Christ went up on a cross. And in his time of more, in his greatest time of weakness, in his greatest time of trial, in his greatest time of tribulation, Christ said, Father, why have you forsaken me? 
Don't tell me God don't know what you've been through. He knows exactly what you've been through. He went through it as well. Don't tell me you don't know the pain of being physically abused. When he was beat on his back and he put a crown of thorns on his head. Don't tell me that, Pastor, you don't know what it means to weep when your family looks at you like you're a failure. He stood up on a cross and his mother looked at him, a criminal, dying to the point where Jesus couldn't even have his mother look at him no more and told John, can you take her home, please? She can't see me like this. And yet, what does Jesus do? How does he respond? He doesn't respond with rejection, with rejection. He responds in what? In love. He stands up on that cross and he says, forgive them, Lord. They know not what they do. Peter, forgive him. The disciples, forgive them. Father, I know I'm doing your work and you just, you just, you just dip right in the middle of the struggle. Like, where you at, God? That's all right. I came to do my father's work. Is that us? Is that us? And some of you may be asking, then why would Jesus even do that? Why would Jesus go through that? Because he is the manifest representation of the kingdom of God. He is the manifestation of grace and love. He is love embodied. Grace embodied. And he said, I'm going through this because I'm going to a grave with rejection. I'm going to a grave with pain. I'm going to a grave with physical abuse. I'm going to a grave with abandonment. I'm going to a grave with pain. I'm going to a grave with suffering. I'm going to a grave, but I won't stay in that grave. I won't stay buried in this. I'm arise. And for three days, my heart didn't beat. Whew. For three days, I was dead. But on that third day, I'm getting up. And I don't know about who, I don't know about you, and I don't know about who I'm speaking to. But there's some folks in here. Your heart hasn't been beaten for a while. You've been going through rejection, you've been going through pain. You don't trust men because of daddy issues. You don't trust women because of mama issues. You don't trust this and you don't trust that. You've gone through suffering, you've gone through trials, you've gone through tribulation, and it's made you dead inside. But I came to tell you today, the third day is coming. That there's a day when God wants you to experience what he experienced. He died for you to die with you so that when he rises, he can rise with you. If your heart doesn't beat, let God make the transplant. Is what he says. He says, I will take the heart of stone. We're closing. Taking the heart of stone. And what am I going to put in? 
heart of flesh. I'll take the heart that stopped beating and I'll put the heart that will beat. But I can't do that if you don't delight in me. I can't do that if you don't put your trust in me. I can't do that when you're still trying to chase a man. I can't do that when you're still trying to chase a woman. Stop chasing. Seek me. Delight in me. Enjoy me. Experience me. Now I understand what Paul says. Oh, that I may know the fellowship of his suffering. So that I can experience his resurrection. We get religious, but we don't experience the resurrection. We know about Jesus, but we don't know his love. We don't experience it. So here's why we can't love people. We can't love people because we haven't really fully experienced God's love. And because we haven't experienced God's love, we don't know what it is. This was really big for me. Um, a few few weeks back, I was speaking at a at a van in, in Winwood, and we were just I was just talking about agape love. Remember, we did a little teaching back, you know, agape love, philos love, eros love, all these different loves. And then somebody kind of cut me off and was like. How do we know how to do that love when that love was never done to us? How do I know what agape love is when no one ever loved me that way? I get it, Pastor. You're telling me, yeah, you're right. I don't want to live that kind of love in my marriage. A love that says I have to perform. I don't want that love in church. A love that says I have to put up a face a facade I don't want that kind of love a love that seeks value from other people when I don't seem to sense any value in me I, I, I don't want that kind of love I do want to be free to be accepted just the way that I am to be received just the way that I am that's the love I want but how do I find that love said to him, well, Jesus is that love. That while we were sinners, ready for this? If you fully experienced the totality of God's love, I'm talking about experiencing for all that it is, your insecurity would go away. If you fully experience the totality of God's love, you stop having to put face in front of people. If you fully experience God's love, you would stop playing the church game. Blessed and highly favored. Oh, I'm doing great. Praise the Lord. If you truly experience God's love, when you're going through pain, you'd say exactly what you're going through. You wouldn't be insecure in sharing your life. Your testimony wouldn't be your point of shame. Your testimony would be your point of deliverance. If you truly experience God's love, the reason why I ask you, does your heart beat? I want you to examine yourself and ask yourself, am I still waiting for something other than God to make me happy? Or maybe my heart's broken and really what I'm chasing after is healing from that which broke me. While we're here, I want you to bow your heads, bow your heads. 
Bow your heads. Hmm. And I want you just to think introspectively and ask yourself the question, do I... Do I, got my, do I have my heart pointed in the right place? Does my heart beat? Or maybe I've been hurting people because I'm hurt and I haven't received God's love for all that it is. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm still broken. Maybe the reason why I don't trust folks is because I'm still dealing with the pain that I experience. Maybe, maybe I'm still broken. Thank you, God. I want you to think right now. Begin to pray with God. Begin to pray right now. Begin to pray. If there's anything in you right now that desperately needs a refreshing from God, a healing from God. Pastor can't do it for you. I can't do it for you. Nobody else can do it for you. All we can do is pray with you. God can do this for you. There's no 10-step plan. There's just surrender. That's all there is, surrender.